Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Dr. Elizabeth Brint, who's an immunologist at UCC. Liz, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. This is a fabulous project because one thing we've all been encouraged to do going through the pandemic is read about Spanish flu pandemic and read about maybe the the, the TB problems in, in Ireland in the last century. This is a collection, a specific collection of how we've developed over the years. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really exciting project that I'm involved in with Cleana uh, O'Carroll of the Cork Folklore Project. So if you get her back on the line, she'll be a great person to talk about the... I'm here now. She's there yeah. now. I got her. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, yeah, we, 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 we're collaborating to really kind of gather stories and memories of what people can remember about how diseases such as polio and TB affected them, affected their families, affected their communities in order to raise awareness of how vaccines have really changed our lives. You know, these were diseases that people lived with, that everybody grew up in fear of and knowing that these existed. And of course, I'm, as you know, you've talked to me a few times, I'm hugely enthusiastic about vaccines and vaccine programs. Mm. Uh, so these, this is really to bring, bring awareness to people of how, how vaccination has totally transformed the disease landscape for people. Yeah, and maybe how some things haven't changed as much because, yes, we've got vaccines, but we still, back in the time of the, the Spanish flu, they had social distancing, they had the washing of hands, they had the movement restrictions, they had the wearing of masks. So not everything has changed. No, absolutely. That's really interesting. So I had to do work for this project in areas where I am totally unfamiliar. So this has been a real learning curve for me. So they really only started to bring the Spanish flu under control when they started social distancing. Isn't that mad? They, they, they'd kind of forgotten from previous pandemics and epidemics before that, that you really had to do a bit of social distancing to bring mm. these things under control. And there's no better way to learn about our history than the most local of local materials, the most local of local sources. And that's where I'll bring Cleana in. Hold on there for me, Beth. Cleana, from UCC Folklore Department. Hi, good morning to you. Morning to you. The gather, I, I love this. I, I love gather, seeing old photographs, old medical equipment, old things. Like, something that's mentioned uh, here is the, the branding iron. Now, I remember so many people of my mother's age and maybe older with this thing the size of a penny on their arm was an old vaccine scar now I had my little jab in the last week or so 
And I didn't even feel it going in. But this thing was a big flipping circle. Oh, we're absolutely delighted with how the project is coming together. And this is from material in our archives that already exists because we haven't been able to go out and do face-to-face interviewing yet. And Joe Scanlon talks about the branding iron. And this is what he got his uh, TB vaccination in Grattan Street Medical Centre in about 1962, I'd say. Mm. And he talks about the kids calling this the branding iron. It describes the long queuing going outside onto the street and him watching the faces of the kids coming out. They were in shock. And Joe lost two stone in sweat with fear on the way in there. And listening to his story, it's impossible not to suffer along with him. Oh, yeah. A scar. Like, my mother still has a scar. Absolutely. And there's all sorts of stuff um, that is coming into this project. We've got the stories from our interviews. um, But just recently, a contributor shared a memorial card with us um, of the two O'Shea brothers from College Road, Teddy and Charlie, who died within a fortnight of each other in in 1918 from the Spanish flu. Mm. And to look at their faces, um, we, they uh, generously allowed us to share this card on the website and to look at their faces, the youth of them, it's, it's very moving. And of course, like you say, College Road, many of us pass up and down there every day. Mm. And I look with different eyes now at that house that lost those two boys. Whereabouts the is the house, Cleaner? Um, well, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to give out the number, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, in the general yeah. vicinity, would it be close to, say, the Hayfield Manor end or the the Highfield Road end? Um, I think it's more the Hayfield Manor end. Oh, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's probably it's, it might be used as a college building now. Uh, the, uh, absolutely. Now, yeah. there's another example, and one that really gets me actually is in a very early interview. Um, of ours, it was in the we the Cork Folklore Project. We started interviewing people in Cork about uh, the everyday and the extraordinary of life in Cork in 1996. So we're in our 25th year now, and we'll have our 25th celebrations soon uh, throughout the summer. But um, in a very early interview in the late 90s, Sister Marie Collins, she was born around 1920, and she talks about a memory that never left her. And she was saying, isn't it strange how some memories you wouldn't remember what went before or what came after? And she was remembering in low babies, that would be junior infants now, a little girl called Kitty O'Brien. And she describes Kitty with straight hair and a fringe and a little bow on top of her head. Well, both Sister Marie and Kitty, well, she wasn't Sister, she was Marie back then, and Mm. Kitty were out sick with the measles at the same time. And Marie was the only one to return to school. Yeah. Because poor Kitty O'Brien died with it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like, though we've, we, we, I don't think we should ever forget, and bring Beth back in here, I don't think we should ever forget how lucky we are in 2021 that we are dealing with this crisis of the last 14 months with the huge advances in science. Imagine if something like this was visited upon us 50 years ago, even. Or even 10 years ago, PJ. Like, from my perspective, you, you couldn't imagine being where we are now with COVID-19 and the vaccines that we have available to us even 10 years ago. But just just going back to Kiana's stories, um, this was a project that we came up with pre-COVID. Can you imagine a time pre-COVID? And I was concerned from my perspective as an immunologist with the decrease in vaccination rates going on amongst 
parents and getting their children vaccinated against things like measles. And what we were hoping was that by gathering these stories and memories of how severe these diseases were, you could really raise awareness of the impact that they had to try and counter that reluctance and hesitancy amongst some parents to vaccinate their children. I think vaccines uh, against these diseases have almost been a victim of their own success, you know. We don't remember how bad it was and how they affected communities. Yeah. When the website is complete and you'll be putting stuff into it for maybe a couple of years will it be left as a permanent archive will there be if you have artifacts will there be an exhibition of any sort is that coming well pj yeah to to, to you yeah perfect yeah it's it's a work in progress actually we're delighted to be on the program because we're we're putting a shout out uh we're looking for people to come to the website and register an expression of interest Uh, Do you have a story? Do you have a memory of people in your family or community or even, you know, yourselves with experience of some of these diseases from the 20th century and also from the 21st century as well? We're looking now at expanding it to HPV, which, of course, is such a cause of cervical cancer and then COVID-19 as well. And Mm. yes, once we've gathered those, uh, Cleanna and I are hoping for funding on on this uh, project. We think it's so important we'd absolutely love to do an exhibition yeah. and uh, and and maybe you know promote it wider because i have to say one of the places that i remember being uh, a number of years ago myself and the missus were on a trip to london and i had never been to the science museum so i went off in and i said to her off you go and do a bit of shopping and she was gone for many many hours and i was still only on the third floor absolutely and indeed I mean you know in the meantime of course this site is going to function as an exhibition we are finding that um, objects and images are coming our way more than they would with this topic more than they would in our ordinary work brilliant so um, a student of mine in third year in folklore interviewed her father about his experiences of tuberculosis in the family and out of that interview came all of these images of and um, the leather work that patients used to do in the sanatoria that members of his family had done and photographs of everyday life in a sanatorium and in a lot of them was the poet Sean O'Reardon who was a great buddy of this man's brother. So we're kind of finding that when people start talking, they start thinking about the, the objects and the images that are left. Mm. Now, we don't deal in physical objects, but we're photographing them, we're getting images. Great. And now, of course, it's wonderful with um, online exhibition sites that we can have the speech, the audio, Spoken the real word. word, the voices. Yeah. And anybody who's not fluent in Cork, of course, can read along in the text. And then we can have those images and the people can move from one to the other yeah. or dig deeper on each. So we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. When once we can start interviewing again, we'll be um, very interested to hear from people who have stories, who'd like to be interviewed, who'd like to maybe write a piece for us. Great. And on the website, catchingstories.org, there's a tab there and you can register your interest as a contributor. Fabulous. Beth, the sanatoriums are fascinating. They just came up in one of my own conversations with, with a friend recently 
um, you know, I was saying that or there was a discussion like this time last year, should we have a hospital in every given region eventually given over entirely to the treatment of people with COVID? And it was being talked about. And I said, well, we've done this before. We had sanatoriums. And someone said, what's a sanatorium? And I said, well, it's actually a place out in the country where they used to send the people with TB. And the guy stood there with his, his mouth open going, they did that? I said, they, they did. These are not new ideas. No, fascinating, isn't it? And as I said earlier, I learned a lot writing bits for the website. Um, so the, I always thought that there might have been some help in, in some actual truth behind the idea that people got better from TV if they were put in nice, airy, clean environments in the countryside. It wasn't at all, obviously. No, but it, <laughs> just, it kept them away from others and kept them from infecting others. Yeah. Exactly, they contained it. Um, unfortunately, now, of course, back onto my favourite topic, PJ, we don't need to think about that because our COVID-19 vaccines are working so yes. well. Yes. Um, but yes, at the time, it was all this, re- we, you know, all this stuff that was new to us, hand washing, social distancing, keeping apart, uh, all these simple, simple techniques that, of course, were implemented during the polio pandemic, the polio epidemic. Yeah. That was really interesting. They shot all the um, swimming pools. They shot the dance halls during the polio epidemic in yeah. Cork in 1956. And all the same activities that we've now seen were um, were implemented 60 years ago. I remember as well, now, being a young fellow, I, I can't tell what age I was, but I was in school, the polio vaccine when it came out. We got it in a sugar lump. And I, I, I've, to this day, and maybe you, maybe you can answer it, Beth, to this day, I don't know why I got a sugar lump and not an injection. <laughs> the sugar lump was the booster. Uh, you got you got an injection for the first one. Probably you just can't remember it. Right. The sugar lump was the booster. Several years later, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, that was, of course, a live vaccine. Yes. Um, so an attenuated live vaccine. So there's great stories actually about people catching polio. Well, thankfully, we don't have that with the COVID nineteen vaccine. But occasional people used to catch polio from babies who were shedding the vac- the, the the shedding shedding the virus from right. the vaccine. It's it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating, and it's all going to go into catchingstories.org, a website on which I envisage spending many enjoyable hours. I think. Thank you, PJ. Well, thanks very much for having us, PJ. Cheers. That's Cleena O'Carroll from UCC Folklore and Dr. Elizabeth Brint, an immunologist at UCC. And that website, if you want to take a peek at it, it's fascinating already. And they have many, many months and years ahead in building it. Catchingstories.org. www.catchingstories.org. Courts 96 FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.